0: Welcome to Sense and Sensibility, the Inflation Guy podcast. I am Michael Ashton. I am the Inflation Guy and I am your host. And uh, today we are talking about uh, today's CPI report. It's the first CPI of 2023. Actually, it's the, it's the December 2022 report. So we, we're closing the book now on, on 2022. and um, And we have now entered into a... A very interesting period, I think, in in terms of how inflation is going to evolve. For a long time, um, we've all been saying that we knew that inflation was going to peak. That was obvious. Obviously, eventually, all all things end, and so we knew inflation was going to peak. And the question was, how high would it go, and how long would it be up there? Uh, and, and now that inflation has peaked, we kind of have the answer to that question. But the more interesting set of questions now is how low does it go and how soon does it get there? Because, you know, you really only know the total output and energy loss from an engine after you've done both the up, upstroke and the downstroke. So we have to go a full, full round trip here before we know whether or not that round trip takes us back to 2% inflation or whether it – takes us only to 4 or 5% inflation is, is what I sort of I think. Um, so, you know, if inflation does eventually drop back to 2%, then, you know, the Fed will deserve all the credit in the world. We'll all be super happy and, and my job will get very boring again for a while and we'll, we'll um, talk about uh, uh, specific categories that are inflating and not about the overall inflation process. Um, but if inf- if instead inflation goes to four percent and and then looks kind of resistant about whether or not it's going to drop below that um, then we have a we'll have a much more interesting debate and um, I'm obviously in 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 the latter camp um, now the title of today's episode is it's not easy being mean with mean in quotes meaning the average and um, and the reason I chose that title is that a lot of what is going is happening right now with the debate, and what happen kind of going forward with forecasting and and so on, um, is about a debate of returning to the mean, and and I should say that economists are are very good at forecasting returns to the mean. Um, it, it's it's a you know, fundamental part of of a lot of economic models. And if and in fact any model that was going to survive over the last quarter century, um, and I've talked about this before, but any model that was going to survive in forecasting inflation had to predict a return to the mean and and that the mean would stay stuck around two, two and a half percent. And any model that did not make those assumptions failed and was thrown out. And so those are the only models that are left. But that's kind of the way the economist art works anyway, that, you know, let's figure out what the mean is, and then we'll forecast a return to the mean. And if it gets to where we said it was going to go, but it takes longer or it takes a shorter period of time, then as, a, as an economist, we would, you know, declare victory. And and um, uh, when really all we're doing is is relying on the fact that both series oscillate, <laughs> and so, um, so. But that's that's the 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 trick to the Economist art is the old saying is you know forecast a a direction um, or a time, but not you know or, or a a a location in a time, but not both. Um, you know, so if you think it's going to go up, you say it's going to go up, but you don't say when it's going to go up or for how long. Um, or you say that something significant is going to happen over the next six months, and um, you know you don't say which way. Um, and I guess te- technical analysts work the same way, by the way. But um, anyway, I, I digress a little bit. Um, the but let's let's first talk about today's number and, and what actually came out, and I'll kind of then return back to the whole question of of the forecasting and, and returning to the mean and, and what I think is actually happening. Um, but you can already sort of see these tricks because going into the today's number, the forecasts that were out there were generally for, you know, very soft on headline, but a core that was around, you know, high 0.2s, you know, 0.28 or something or, or thereabouts. Um, and, and the line items that economists would point out Were I one one for example, I saw said airlines were going to be a drag, Um, used cars was going to be a drag, new cars was going to be a drag, and and rents was going to be a drag, and and essentially all those things are just you know forecasts that we're going to return to some mean, right? And some of them are pretty easy to see. You've already seen used cars going down, for example, Um, and and one of the things, by the way, that economists are not very good at. And and you saw this in the forecast today, um, although it ended up not biting him in the ass very badly. Is forecasting what is going to move away from the mean? Um, that to an economist is always a surprise. You don't you don't tend to see economists say, "Well, we have this really well behaved series here, but it's about to go crazy and 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 do the opposite of all the other things." And so we can always forecast return to the mean, but. That means anything away from the mean is always going to surprise us a little bit. And I'm being unfair. There are some economists who are, are more sophisticated this way. But that's sort of a, a general way of understanding economists' forecasts. So today's number, as I said, people thought it was going to be a little bit weak on the headline. And it was. It came in minus 0.08%, um, so a little bit less than down 0.1% on the headline. That's seasonally adjusted. Um, and and a core of 0.3, uh, 0.303, so very, very clear close to exactly 0.3 and so that big spread the difference between core and headline um is uh is obviously there's there's a a uh, a big energy drag this month and food was not as much of a positive contributor as it had been and so that that spread is a lot wider than it than it had been um coming up next month it doesn't look like energy is probably going to be a drag um a little early to tell but um but we'll probably get a headline number that next month is closer to 0.2, 0.3, 0.4. Um, obviously, the people who think it's going to be that we're going to go back to a 2% inflation would like to see 0.1 or 0.2, uh, but that's probably not what we're going to get. Again, it's early to forecast next month's number, I guess. Median came in at 0.38% month on month, and now that's great news. So while core jumps around, and that core for this month was the highest in, in three months, um, although clearly part of a downtrend, that median was the lowest in, in quite some time. And it was the fourth median month-on-month month in a row that was lower than the prior month. And so clearly in median, there's a deceleration. And actually, year-on-year, year, median inflation peaked in October at 7%, went to 6.98 in November, and it will be like 6.93 or something in December. Uh, and so... Um and it has difficult comps going forward so that's that's almost certainly the median has peaked and that's a obviously a much better measure as i've often said than the average so so um so that's that's all great news uh the um uh airfares were in fact a drag um, lodging away from home was uh was up one and a half percent uh month on month um but uh, but airfares was down 3.12% month on month. So airfares were down mostly because of decline in jet fuel. Um, lodging away from home is mostly a labor uh, issue. And so that's a bifurcation that is interesting to talk to uh, a little bit later. Used cars were a drag. They were down 2.55% month on month. Uh, new cars were not a drag. Um, They were basically flat second month in a row, and and a lot of economists because we're seeing used car prices come down quite a bit from their peak. um, Remember, they'd been up, you know, forty or sixty percent or whatever they'd been up a tremendous amount. They're coming down. Um, A lot of economists, I guess they were up fifty three percent or something like that since the end of two thousand nineteen. New car prices so used car prices went up and then they're coming back down, new car prices have kind of just steadily started accelerating, uh, st- started rising in mid-2021. And and uh, although they're flat, there's no sign that new, new car prices are coming down. New car prices are now about 20% above where they were at the end of 2019. And, you know, with overall prices up 15% or so and money up more than that. It doesn't strike me as being crazy out of line. I would expect new car prices to be up around 20% and, uh, and and used car prices then may continue to come down towards that. but just because used car prices are going down, it doesn't mean new car prices have to go down too. Um, anywho so so those are kind of some good and bad there. The real surprise to a lot of people, and, and honestly, to me, it, it was that rents continue to accelerate. Primary rents, rent to primary residents, about point seven nine percent month on month, um, and eight point four percent year on year. Last month, it was it was seven point nine percent year on year. So, um, again, eventually these will peak, but these are really high numbers. Owners equivalent rent was up almost the same amount month on month and seven and a half percent year on year. And and again, we're going to get. To talking about the return to the mean stuff in a bit, but but those those are clearly behind schedule. If you are looking for something that for stuff that should be returning to the mean, um, the thing with rents is that so they're the biggest slowest moving part of of, of the CPI, and but the. And so you'd look at that and you'd say, well, there is no chance we're going to have core inflation go back to 2% while we're still accelerating rents. But that insight has been really defanged kind of systematically over the last couple of months. Um, There's been much more focus, and and I don't think it's coincidental, um, on on very short-term measures of rents you know from uh you know um, uh, the I don't know, the various online rental um uh, rental series that 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 you know measure um you know like apartment finder whatever dot com or something like that um you know all those that measure month on month changes in in rents all of those series show rent uh it has a rapidly decelerated in some cases and, and in some cities are rents are actually outright declining, but all those series also have really bad problems in terms of kind of the selection, um, the the sampling and, and other sorts of problems. The gold standard in rent is still the the Bureau of Labor Statistics, um, owner's of, or, or, uh, primary rent series. Um, it's just really slow and really behind. But, so people have been focusing on saying, "Well, okay, but we really know that rents are decelerating rapidly if we look at the more, the more recent, more current data." But do we? Uh, I don't know that we really know. I, I think it's true that rents are decelerating and declining in some in some places. I mean, anecdotally, you can see that. Um, but, but both the, the the monthly data series that are you know, have weird um, that that have some um, weighting problems, and in recent research that has been uh, put out there publicly and distributed um, using the BLS data set, but trying to make it more timely, um, also shows some deceleration, but with massive error bars, and it's really hard to see. Bottom line being, the gold standard is still the, the BLS series, and and yes, rents are probably declining or probably decelerating, but it's not at all clear that they're decelerating rapidly. Moreover, we shouldn't expect it. Wages ha- are a big influence on rents. If people are not getting wage increases, then rents, uh, at, at especially if home prices are no longer going up the way they were, there's some limit to how fast rents can go up. Eventually, nobody can pay for an apartment. Um, but... Wages have been going up uh, fairly fairly markedly. They've been going up about 6.5% over the last year, looking at the Atlanta Fed's median wage tracker. And, um, and as long as that's true, it's not really obvious at all to me why rent should suddenly collapse and go down to zero. You know, people have money. So if you charge them 2% more than last year on rents, they, they grumble, but they've got the money to pay for it. So... So it's not at all not at all clear to me why you would expect rents to, to turn over and completely plunge, go flat. Unlikely. My model says they should be four or five percent, but and so slower than here. But I I don't really see them completely falling off a cliff. And unfortunately, you sort of need to have that happen. Anyway, I'll, I'll get back back to that in a second. Um, uh, core services less rent of shelter. 6.34% year on year, and, uh, and that's important because, um, so core goods is rising at about 2.1%, core services 7.1%, but a lot of that is shelter. And so you take out shelter and you have core services, less rents of shelter is 6.3%. And that's important because the Fed has been talking about that, uh, that, that portion of the CPI. And again, that's the portion that's pretty well, you know, that is driven by wages. And that if you think the Fed hiking rates and the Fed trying to slow the economy is going to affect inflation, that's where you'd expect it to affect inflation. And at least yet, it's not really showing a lot of an effect on wages. and It's not showing a lot of an effect um, on that part of the CPI. So so if we look at this whole process of returning to the mean, so headline inflation, core inflation, well off the highs, year-on-year core is at 5.7%. That is horrible, except for the fact that we were a lot higher than that. Five point seven percent feels much better. What is on schedule is core goods, driven largely by used cars. Um, you know, apparel has bounced for a couple of months, but it's kind of been dragging in general. Um, core goods are two point one percent year on year, and and if we look back prior to COVID. Core goods was dependably for a long period of time in, in mild deflation. And so the picture of inflation in the United States was that you had core services, you know, up around three-ish, and you had core goods in slightly in deflation. Um, and and right now it's at 2.1, having come down from a very, very high number. Uh, so uh, okay, core goods was was up 13-14 you know, percent. So how much more can you squeeze from that orange? How much can you, if if it's already at two point one percent core goods, where are you going to go minus four? Uh, prior to COVID, we were at minus one ish, but there are lots of reasons to think that we're not going to get core goods inflation back down to de- the systematic deflation we'd had for a long time. That deflation came from globalization, it came from, from um, uh, you know outsourcing and and uh, and offshoring. And and those things are all in reverse now. The demographics that that led to that the, the great increase in demogra- in uh, in labor supply that happened over the last quarter century that started to reverse. And so I don't know that we can expect you know we can we can hope for core goods to go negative, but I don't know that we can really expect it to go negative. So maybe it gets down to zero or one. Um, but we're already at 2.1 year on year. So how much more are you going to squeeze out of that? And the answer is not very much. So if you want to get core inflation currently at 5.7, if you want to get it back to two, it's got to come from services. You got to have rents have to roll over and you have have to have core services, X rents roll over. And right now those aren't really happening. Um, Look at lodging away from home, you know, so, you know, hotels look at, Food away from home, look at people, you know, uh, what's happening to restaurant, uh, restaurant labor. You know, those are expensive. And as a consequence, those portions of the CPI are continuing to, to show resilience in, in terms of rolling over and going back down. Now, I find that the, um, I guess, what other point? I guess there's a point kind of going into this whole number today. And coming out of it. Um we obviously care from an economics perspective, but we also but you know, I'm an investor, we manage money for individuals, we manage money for institutions, and and so we care about market reaction. And an important point to make here is that the markets going into this and coming out of it were priced for inflation to rapidly return to two percent. Um And by the middle of this year, um, and then to flatten out. Uh, And so even if you don't agree with me and you don't think that inflation is going to stay around four-ish, then you might still – in fact, if I was bearish on inflation, I would probably still be long inflation because it's so cheap that I can be quite a bit wrong and still make money. And, And as investors, we care more about making money than being right. So you're getting a uh, you're getting a a great advantage taking the long position in inflation and betting that it's going to be worse than the markets are pricing. Literally, the inflation swap market right now is pricing uh, year-on-year inflation in June will be at two percent. Um, I, I just uh, unless energy prices collapse, I just don't see where you're going to get that. That's going to be a very very hard number to go and hit. Um, So, markets are priced for this return to the old mean. And the forecast, the economists are are forecasting returns to the old mean. Now, here's the problem the problem is that, again, one of the assumptions that you're making in these models, the econometric models, is that the mean is stationary. And so, and for a quarter century it was. Core inflation was two, two and a half percent and never moved very much. Now, the Fed said that was because inflation expectations were anchored. Not a lot of evidence of that. But for whatever the reason, core inflation was anchored around two, two and a half percent. Is it still anchored at two and two and a half percent? Here's the problem. Um, And I've talked before about the feedback loop Okay, you have higher inflation. It leads to higher wages. As I said, wages are up six and a half percent year on year. Um, It leads to higher wage settlements for for unionized labor. It leads to higher uh, adjustments to Social Security. Social Security this year is up 8.7 percent based on last year's inflation. So and that feeds back through. And so what that means is that this you have this feedback loop. And what the effect that feedback loop has on the model, where it should be, is that the mean is not stationary. The mean is drifting higher because that's what the feedback loop does. And so even if everything goes back to the mean, the mean isn't 2%. I think it's high threes, low fours. And so I think that's what we're going to head back to. We obviously don't know that. We can't observe the mean. But that, but you can very clearly see the feedback loop. And so I think that if you see the feedback loop and you've noticed that you've squeezed about all you can out of core goods and used cars, maybe have a little more downside, but, you know, not 40% downside. Um, and, and so all the, the things that were on schedule have provided about as much as they're going to, a little bit more. The things you have left are behind schedule. The things like rents, the things that core services x rents, those are behind schedule. And that doesn't surprise me. That says that we're going to be resistant at some point to going a lot slower than we were at 5.7. We're going to be, you know, we have to get 3.7 or 3.2 to 3.7 more out of that to get back to the old level. I don't see it. I don't see where that's coming from. Um, And I think that, you know, the longer this has gone on, the more secure that feedback loop is. Never mind, we've got the deglobalization stuff and other, other uh, impact as well. So in summary, I think that we clearly are past the peak. I've been looking for that for a while. It's just we disagree uh, going forward. There's a wide range of opinions, not wide enough, about how low inflation is going to go from here. And then, of course, the question is: Well, then, once it goes back to four or two or whatever your, your number is, what happens after that? Does it bounce from there? That's a that's a different topic for a different podcast. But um, uh, that's that's sort of the the state of the debate. Now, what does today's number mean for the Federal Reserve? Obviously, again, as in, as investors, we care about that answer. And the answer is: Look, I mean, it was it was kind of what expectations were. Um, the Federal Reserve is aiming at roughly 5% on the Fed funds rate, whereupon they're going to pause. And nothing in today's number would suggest that they're going to be much hawkish, more hawkish than that, or less hawkish than that. Um, but there's also nothing to sort of suggest that the Fed is going to be easing by the middle of the year. You know, again, that's, that's, the markets are pricing a pivot from the Fed, that the Fed gets up to 5% and then in a short period of time starts to ease again. Absent something breaking, absent a disaster in the treasury market that requires the Fed to start buying bonds because no one else will, barring something like that, I don't see that the Fed is going to aggressively start easing anytime soon or even non-aggressively start easing. And so again, I think the markets are a little bit too optimistic there um, that even if they do start to ease, they it would be unlikely they would ease as much as what's currently impounded in the markets inflation isn't going to go to where the markets are pricing and i don't think the fed is going to go to where the markets are pricing. and so those things are both medium term bad for for stocks. i think bonds you know it's kind of medium term bad for bonds too but you know not not disastrous not disastrous for either stocks or bonds. you know they've already priced in something but they're very optimistic at this point and they uh, i think i think um, i think they're probably too optimistic compared to the trajectory that we're likely to get. So it's not easy being mean, um, and, uh, and I think right now the, the whole process is being mean to the mean, and, uh, and that's all I have to say about that. I appreciate you tuning in. That's all for today's podcast. Um, if you have questions about it, um, you can contact me, uh, inflationguy at enduringinvestments.com. You can follow the blog at inflationguy.blog. I'm trying to do blogs and podcasts once a week this year instead of once every two or three weeks like I had been doing. You can follow me on Twitter at inflation underscore guy. I also have a private Twitter that's by subscription if you want to get the inflation stuff in real time. Uh, Visit the Enduring Investments website. And most importantly, even though inflation is going down, even though it's decelerating, defend your money because it just means that it's losing value less quickly than it was. But defend your money. And if inflation is coming for you, remember, You know a guy.